0: Right? I'm just telling you what he said to say. Where that came from. Paul was surprised at these new converts, At because everybody in the New Testament church, you understand, was a new convert. It was brand new. They were all new converts. So they were still trying to make their way. And they didn't have a King James or or an Amplified or any other kind of Bible to make reference to. So how in the world did they stay saved without a Bible? How did they do that? They trusted God. They trusted the Holy Ghost. They trusted that God was sending the men to them that they needed to hear what they needed to hear. And they trusted the experience that they had. Am I right? Yeah, I am right. But Paul was a little surprised, a little astonished, maybe even a little irritated at hearing that some stuff was going on with those churches that he had been visiting and encouraging them. And there were some things going on that he had to address. It's just like that today. There's always going to be things in a church that's going to have to be addressed. And we have to address it, don't we? If I'm doing something wrong at work, I want somebody and I don't know I'm doing something wrong, I would like for somebody to come and tell me, hey, you know, you're doing that wrong. I thought I was doing it right. Well, can you show me the right way to do it? Oh, yeah, be happy to. Oh, man, that is so much easier than the way I was doing it. That's happened a lot to me because I'm still learning how to be an IT guy. Stuff changes every day. But this this gospel is not like Lay's potato chips. This gospel, it's the only gospel. It's the, there's only one true gospel. Just like there's only one true God. Just like there's only one Jesus that ever came to this earth. Our God, robed in flesh, lived among us just like us, suffered the things that we suffered, went through, had pain and had sorrow and had all kinds of the same stuff that we did. He felt our he he knew what grief and sorrow was. He he, he was he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows what it feels like to be sick and to be weak and all these things he felt that And so Paul is, is very concerned, as he should be. Somebody's messing with his people that God gave him. And that, that was Paul's approach to the people that were under him. God gave them to me. And he was doing his level best to keep them saved. He said that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel another gospel and he said which is not another but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ who were those who was the some who were they who, who were they they <laughs> they did it who were they Right? (laughs) Right? They is somebody. That was somebody. And so in my study of this, I, I come to find out that this was mainly the Judaizers. The Jewish Judaizers. Because most of these new converts were former Jews. Right? And so nothing has changed from that time in the first New Testament church until now. Nothing. There's nothing new under the sun. The Judaizers were the the keepers of the law. They were concerned with circumcision. They were concerned with keeping the Sabbaths. Remember, if you read about Jesus, that's what they were always concerned about. Oh, you're doing this on the Sabbath, and you're doing that on the Sabbath, and you're not keeping the Sabbath. And what did he always answer? His answer to them was, well, you're just following what? The traditions of your fathers. The traditions of your elders or words to that effect. But you're not following the word. He was basically asking them, "What's the word say? What's the scripture say? What did the prophets say about me?" They didn't want to talk about that. And so these Judaizers were coming around. And they were they were entering in. They were infiltrating, if you will, the work of the Lord that had been done by Paul and others to attempt to convince the somewhat naive and gullible new converts that there were still some rules that they had to follow. Some Judaistic rules that they needed to follow so that they could truly be disciples of Christ. They had no book for this, but they were just they were pretending to be wise teachers. And they were, as I heard one preacher say, they were prophelying. That's not prophesying, it's lying. It's making stuff up. They were rule followers, these Judaizers, weren't they? They wanted Jesus to follow all the rules. They were traditionalists. They were protocol adherents. They had followed and adhered to the rules and the laws of Judaism for so long that they had become comfortable with and more loyal to those things in their lives than the things they needed to be loyal to. And they were attempting to convince the Galatian believers that God was not doing a new thing. You still need to be circumcised. You still need to follow the Sabbaths. And Jesus, what did He do when He came to this earth and when He died on that cross? What did He say He was coming to do? To fulfill and do away with all that stuff. Not the moral law, but all those washing of pots and cups and all that stuff, the traditions that all they've been going through for all those years, and I get it. You do something for so long, how many how many centuries had the Jews been doing that? Centuries. The same thing. Killing animals, sacrifice, all that stuff. They've been doing all six hundred and whatever of those laws for for centuries, and now all of a sudden Jesus comes on the scene and he just breaks the whole yoke of that and starts a new thing. Well, they just didn't want to let go. Would you? You're used to doing that. How many many likes change? I do. I'm not just raising my hand to get you. I like change. I need it. I don't want to get comfortable in the natural or in the spiritual especially. I don't want to become comfortable. I don't want to settle for what I have and say, well, that's good enough. Is good enough good enough? Good enough ain't good enough. He used to say in the military, good enough for government work. <laughs> I hate that term. I hate it. But that's the way it was. You were a GI, government issue. You were good enough for government work. And so these were tradition followers, these protocol adherents, they were they were trying to ruin the lives of the believers that Paul had worked so hard to bring into this truth and this gospel. How easily and how quickly they veered. And who knows, it doesn't say, but maybe some of them had received the Holy Ghost and been baptized in Jesus' name, but they just could not shake those traditions. They just could not shake that stuff that they'd been doing for their whole, through generations. Passed it down. But that wasn't new either. Because throughout the history of the Jews, that happened over and over and over again. And God dealt with it, and it would happen again. Korah, when when Moses was on the mountain and, and his brother built that, that creature, that worship, that thing for them to worship, the Jews constantly turned from the God that delivered them. To other gods and to do other things. And they were constantly doing that, falling away from God and trying to do their own thing. And they were constantly getting in trouble for that. You think they would have got it after a while, but they didn't. And so human nature is the same today as it was back then. Human nature has never changed. We like our comfort zones. We like something being done the way we like it being done. We don't want to shake things up. We don't. So these people, these these some that he was talking about, were masquerading as qualified anointed teachers. And they were slipping right in there. And just kind of whispering in their ears and saying, you know... I know you have the Holy Ghost, and I know you've been baptized in Jesus' name, and I know Jesus was our Savior, but let me tell you about this. And they, they, they started, you, know, you read your New Testament, they started getting in there. This happened in all the churches, everywhere where there were Jews. They were trying to disrupt, they were trying to change this gospel to something else. Another gospel. Something similar, but not exactly the same. A very close resemblance. Charles Chips and Lay's might look like each other laying next to each other on the table, but I'm telling you, Charles Chips just puts Lay's to shame. They don't make them anymore. Oh well. I got that in my history to talk about. Hallelujah. So, people today. Let's bring this to today. People, Christians, religious and otherwise are attempting to remake Jesus and the gospel into something that looks nothing like the true gospel. The gospel and the Jesus of the gospel is too restrictive for them. You, you, you just check it out. You, you just start researching some churches in this country. and You see what their beliefs are. And you'll find real quick that they're cutting all kinds of stuff out. They don't want to talk about the blood. They don't want to sing about the blood. They're taking all the blood out of all the songs, for starters. That's one thing. But they're trying to create a Jesus and a gospel that fits their needs, that fits their narrative. It's true. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the one that we follow, is not inclusive can I use that word? Not inclusive enough. That's the, the buzzword. One of them. It's not inclusive enough. Yeah, Jesus loves all those people groups that are saying that, but he doesn't love the sin that they're in. And that's the problem that they have. <laughs> the problem they have is the Bible. You can't just rewrite the Bible. You can't just tear this page out and say I, I'm not gonna, I don't want to follow that, so I'm gonna tear this page out. The minute you do that, literally or figuratively, you might as well just tear the whole thing up and just throw it in the fire and burn it and just go do what you want to do. This gospel that we that we have in us, it's a, it has great value. We need to understand that in this day that we're living in. It's not inclusive enough. The true gospel is not socially acceptable enough. And, and our new enlightened state in our present world would have you to believe that. You've talked about that a lot in different terms than I'm using, but you've talked about that a lot. Right? Our worldview. Their worldview is trying to disrupt and, and discombobulate what we have here, folks. It's this is this is the only thing out there. There's nothing else, and I'm going to protect this with everything that's in me. Paul spoke about this to Timothy, and to the church at large. Second Timothy chapter three verse one through seventeen. I'll give you a minute to get there. Second Timothy three one through seventeen. This know also. Some of you could probably quote this whole chapter. That in the last days, are we living in the last days? I believe we're living in the last of the last days. Perilous times shall come. Not my come. Not maybe down the road a little ways. Not in my generation, Lord. Maybe in the next generation. Could you just kind of leave it peaceful for us so that the next generation has to deal with that? That's not how it works. He decides when the perilous times are coming. Behooves us to be ready, doesn't it? For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Now, I know they preached about this stuff in the 40s and 50s and 60s. And it was the generations in those years were just like our generation today. But I believe it's worse. I believe it's like 100 times worse than it was back in those days. Covetous, boasters, proud. Blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful. I I can't tell you the last time I heard somebody say thank you. I say it and people look like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Sorry. Unholy, without natural affection. Wow, that's a big one. We're living in a world that does not have natural affection anymore. You can kill a puppy and go to prison, but you can kill a baby and just go home. No biggie. That's whacked out, man. That is whacked out. Truce breakers. False accusers. Man, you used to be able to just shake hands with a man, and it was as good as a written contract. And we got to a day where there is no such thing as that kind of contract. Very, Very rarely that a man's word is his bond. We gotta have it in writing, we gotta have it in triplicate, we gotta have you signed and notarized and everything else for them to believe that you're gonna be good for that note. False accusers incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Well, we're feeling that today. Traitors, heady, high minded. Who is who is Paul writing this to? To the church. And to Timothy, and to us. This is not stuff in the world. He's, a, he's addressing things that are going on in the church in that day. If that was going on in the church that day, have we risen above that in our day? Where, well, that doesn't happen in our churches today, in the modern day. Is that true? I'm not asking you to answer that. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. A lot of that going on. I believe, this is just me, I believe there's a lot of that going on in some of our own churches. I can't prove it. I just believe it's going on. And you'll understand in a little bit why I believe that. From such, turn away. Get away from them, brother. I love you, but I can't. We can't be friends if you're going to believe that. I'm going to believe this. We, if we can't meet, we're not meeting in the middle. This is right. Period. End of story. So God bless you. I pray for you. For this sort. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. How did Paul come to the knowledge of the truth? I mean, he received, he was was smitten on the day that he was on the road to Damascus and And he was blinded and he sat there for three days, blinded, didn't eat anything. And he, he had his salvation experience. But what happened to Paul after that? He went to Arabia for three years. He didn't learn this. That's where he started out in that first scripture that we read. He didn't get this from man or by man. God gave him all the revelation that he had while he was in Arabia. So that no man could claim, I trained Paul. Malio was involved, but that was before Jesus. And so no man could claim that they trained and and taught Paul what he knows, including Peter, who preached on the day of Pentecost. God taught him that. God showed him revelation. Does he do that today? He absolutely does that today. Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, I hate to think of my own brethren when I think of this, but this is to the church. It just shakes, it boggles my mind when I think about this. Reprobate concerning the faith. I I don't want to ever find anybody else, much less myself, in in a state of having a reprobate mind. Do you know what that means? Your conscience is seared with a hot iron, the Bible says. You can't even know what's right and wrong anymore. God forbid. We're talking about this precious gospel that we have and believe in and we, we hold dear to and near to us. It's important. But they shall proceed no further. For their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was, meaning Janus and Jambres. Who's going to be doing the one doing the manifesting? Who's the one saying that they shall proceed no further? It's Paul writing it, but who's anointing Paul to write it? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is saying this. Paul's just writing it down. Thank God Paul and Peter and all these guys wrote this stuff down. That we have it today. Thank God they did that. But thou hast fully known my doctrine. He kind of railed on them there for a minute. To let them know how serious this is, I believe. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. How much proof do you need that Paul was saying something that was right on? Same thing happened to Jesus, didn't it? He was right on the money, and every time he opened his mouth, that just they wanted to kill him. And they're going after Paul. Same thing. He, what did Paul say? Follow me as I follow Christ. That's all he was trying to do. Be like Jesus. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture. Not the Old Testament only. All Scripture. And it's profitable for doctrine. Can we just skip the rest? Some people want to. Nobody likes being reproved, do you? Who likes being called on the carpet and reproved and told you, you messed up? And they're not playing around. Huh? Nobody likes that, being called to first sergeant's office over something. You, you get a call and you, the first sergeant wants you to come. You don't even, you're thinking, what did I do? What didn't I do? You're racking your brain as you're going to the first sergeant's office. You're going, what have I done now or haven't done? Oh, Lord, have mercy. That's a terrible feeling. That's just in the natural. For reproof, for correction. I need to be corrected by the Lord. Sometimes the Lord uses people like a pastor to correct me. I need that. And I need to be willing to submit to that. Even when it hurts. Even when I don't like it. Especially probably if I don't like it. I probably need it the worst. But I need to be able to receive that reproof. I need to be able to receive that correction, that rebuke, with all long-suffering. I need to understand that that's God trying to keep me saved. <laughs> he's always used human beings and men to do what He's trying to do on this earth. And He's going to send a man or somebody to you to tell you, no. No. If you, if, if you are, have a walk with God and there's nobody in your life that can tell you no, you're in a dangerous place. It doesn't matter who you are. If there's not somebody that can tell you no in your life and say, no, you're not doing that, you need to go back to God and say, Lord, I need somebody like that. Please don't leave me out here hanging, don't leave me out here flapping. That the man of God, all of that for what reason? That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. This is all about the gospel. What are the, what are the good works that He's trying to prepare us and perfect us for? The fivefold ministry. He gave us the fivefold ministry. What's it for? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We're supposed to be doing that. The fivefold ministry is supposed to be preparing us, and we're supposed to be taking what we've learned and running with it, doing it. The people in the in the first first century church didn't just sit in a building; they went in houses, but they didn't just stay there. How did how did they turn the world upside down by sitting still in a building? They didn't. I know it doesn't specifically say they went out and did outreach and knocked doors. It didn't say that. They probably didn't do it that way. They did go from house to house. They did have friends and associates and neighbors and people they did business with. And they made those connections. They took the gospel. You just got to tell them. They might spit in your face. They might might call you every name in the book but your given name. But you still got to tell them you got to tell them. What if we don't tell them? What if we don't warn them? What's it say in the Old Testament? Their blood's going to be on my hands if I don't warn them. If they re- what they do with that information is not up to me. <laughs> as much as we want to see them saved, if they turn around and walk away from it, they've been told. They chose to turn away from it and say, maybe later, or whatever they say, You've done your job. The Lord adds to the church, right? Such as should be said. We can't add anybody to the church. If we start doing that, then they become followers of us and not Him. And that's... In one place in the New Testament, it says if God didn't plant it, He's going to pluck it up. Better let God plant the plant. We're just here to feed water. Lead the sheep. We don't feed them. We just lead the sheep to green pastures, right? Shepherd doesn't get down to feed sheep. Those little ewe lambs, the ones that are born, who feeds them? Other sheep. Mama. Right. Who's mama? The church. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus. This Is this okay? Is this all right? You pull on my coattails if it's not. You don't have to say yes, sir, to me. <laughs> yes, sir. First John four one through six. I'm not, I don't know if I'm gonna make it till eight o'clock, is that okay? I just wanna deliver what he's given me. We'll see how how far God takes it, okay? First John four, one through six. Very important Scripture. Very important Scripture for every believer. New convert, old convert, seasoned saint, doesn't matter. This is an important Scripture for everybody if you belong to the body of Christ. Okay? You need to take this serious. This is You need to take this one to heart. Beloved, believe not every spirit. What does that mean? Is there a spirit of... A, is there a spirit that comes along with a false prophet if there's a tr- if there's a true prophet then there's a false prophet if there's truth then there's error right so i was taught this by my first pastor try the spirits try the spirits See, try the spirits whether they are of God. Well, how do we do that? Now, in those days, they couldn't go to the Bible and check out the pastor and make sure he was in in the book. How did they know? They just, I guess, they just felt quickened in the Holy Ghost that that this man was, you know. And then when the when the Judaizers come along and the New Converts, maybe they didn't quite get it right away you know you better know this book let's bring it forward to today you better know what's in this book because this is this book is your filter for everything that happens in your life everything it's your filter if something happens somebody said something you hear somebody preach something the first thing in your mind you ought to be going is okay that's lined up with that scripture and that yep i read that the other day and that yeah that lines up okay But if you feel like maybe it doesn't line up, you need to go, oh, wait a minute. I need to know what this book says, because how easily can we be swayed? How easily was the first woman on earth swayed? She didn't know what God said. And how easily the enemy persuaded her otherwise. And if that happened to her, that can happen to any one of us in this room. The spirit of deception is so strong in this day and age especially. The enemy is, he's not just coming in here spitting fire. He's trying to deceive people into believing something that's not in this book. It sounds like it. If you somebody tells you a half-truth, it's worse than a flat-out lie, isn't it? Because there's deception involved there. A flat out lie is just a lie. It's just out flat out deception. They're not but half truth is kind of like you know, you go, I don't know. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Holy Ghost speaking. Are there false prophets in our world today? Were there false prophets forty years ago, sixty years ago, two hundred years ago? There's false prophets and false teachers. They sound good. But you better check them out. You better know what this book says. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Pretty straightforward and simple. And every spirit that confesseth not... That Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Anti-Jesus. Anti-Christ. Jesus was just a prophet. Jesus was just a nice man. Jesus was this. They're trying to make Jesus into something other than what He really was. And what He really is today. There's only one seat on that throne, folks. And there's only one sitting on it. His name is Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. The only God you're ever going to see is Jesus Christ. Whereof ye have heard that it should be Come and even now already is in the world. That spirit of Antichrist has been in this world for eons. It's in this world today. And that spirit of Antichrist is trying to infiltrate and is, I believe is successfully infiltrating churches and church organizations in very subtle, subtle ways. It's not in your face. It's subtle. It's just little things, little foxes that's getting in there, and we're letting it in. Not we here, but we as the church, the body of Christ, are letting some stuff in because the enemy, is he's an angel of light. He's slick. He's better than any car salesman you ever had to deal with. He could sell you ice in an igloo. I don't know what what the right (laughs) analogy is. Forget it. That was terrible. Oh, well. (laughs) Praise God. Ye are of God, little children. Talking to us. We are of God. And have overcome them. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We seem to forget that sometimes, I think. We have the, the God of all gods. The God that spoke the world into existence. The infinite, beyond infinite. We can't even define the, God's bigger than infinity. <laughs> infinity is like limiting God. That same God dwells in each one of us. In the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we've got the power of God in us right this second. To command devils, to, to command cancers to fall off, to do any, any number of things. Jesus said that greater things than these that He did. We thought He did some cool stuff. But He said we would do even greater things. I know preachers that have prayed storms to go around their city, and they did. Modern day. One guy in, in, in Arkansas prayed that to tornadoes to just go around the whole city, and it did. They, and the weather people were like, like uh, uh, that's not supposed to happen. There's another... Preacher that prayed a snowstorm away, and they, it, was, it was on the news for, for days after that. That's just like, snowstorms don't do that. Well, yeah, they do. <laughs> if He can command the wind and the waves to obey, and He told us we would do greater things, why is it that we can't do that? We can. And we should. If God directs us to do that, we should speak it. Let Him worry about it. I'm just waiting for Him to tell me that. To pray all the snow away this winter. <laughs> Send it north or south, God, okay? Just give us a couple inches for Christmas. There you go. And maybe some for skiing, but not 40 inches. And stuff. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak, therefore, speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God, and he that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. I want to know. I, want, I, I have this, this treasure in earthen vessel right here. This old clay pot. I got the treasure of the Holy Ghost, the power of God in me right now. And I don't want to lose that. I don't want to be suckered into giving that up. Buy the truth and sell it not. I don't want to give it up. I don't want to be suckered into something that's not in this book. So so much the more as you see the day approaching. Stay in the book. Know this book. Your salvation depends on it. So these, these false prophets that he was talking about, are, they're not foretellers as we think of prophets. But one definition in one of the concordances said that, but it's organs of the spirit that inspires them. There are spirits in our world today that are inspiring men to be false prophets. And to come in and to very slyly and slinkily come in and just infiltrate the church. Now, I know I read articles where the FBI is infiltrating some churches. That's one thing. We can see that. <laughs> but we better beware. We better be aware. That, that enemy of ours, <laughs> I, he hasn't left me alone for two days. He's just been beating on me. My I don't know what happened to my voice. I'm not sick or anything he did not want me to say this It's the only thing I can it's the only reason I'm trying not trying to reason it out in my mind but I mean he has just been beating me up the last couple of days with stuff that's like the stuff that's never been in my mind for years and he's going to come into your life and he's going to try to disrupt your life and he's going to try to bring thoughts in your mind. Don't latch onto that stuff. Don't let it get in there and get a foothold. Don't let birds land on your head and build a nest. Anybody ever heard that before? Get them off of there. Put that helmet on, Sister Linda. Every day. Guard this thing. This is the, This is where he works. In your mind. It's amazing how he can make his voice sound like yours. So that you think, well, that's my thought. Well, that was my idea. No, it wasn't. Take your idea and run it through the, the filter of the word and see if it matches up. Oh, no, that must not be my, my idea because that doesn't line up with what I know I believe. Praise God. We have this one true gospel, folks. We need to protect it. We need to protect it. Jude, one last scripture, and we're done. Jude chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. Well, actually, just Jude 3 through 5. <laughs> In the book it says chapter 1 for all... <laughs> <laughs> Got to give it a name, right? Got to give it a number. You know, this book was never numbered until like 1500 or something like that. It wasn't numbered chapter... Well, useless information, right? Beloved, when I give all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. What was the common salvation? I believe that was the, the salvation that was preached on the day of Pentecost by Peter. Anointed by God to preach the day of Pentecost so that the outpouring of the Holy Ghost would happen. That's that gospel t- Paul's talking about, that we got to protect. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you. That you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. What's a contender in a boxing match? One of the two guys that's going to box, right? The contender. The one that's getting ready to fight. we got to be contenders for the gospel. It's a fight. It's a battle, folks. This is not easy street. It's not a walk in the park. We don't just get to sit back on our bus seat and wait for Jesus to come. That's not how it works. That we should earnestly contend for the faith, this faith, not just any faith, this faith that we have, which was once delivered unto the saints. Like I said, day of Pentecost, Peter's message, hello, that's what we have today. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old times ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's kind of describing those scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites that were trying to kill Jesus all the time. They wanted to just live in the past. You can't live in the past. They wanted to acknowledge every Scripture except for the ones where it talked about Jesus coming. <laughs> all the ones that talked about the Sabbath and all the ones that talked about circumcision, but they were the ones that prophesied that Jesus was going to come, they didn't want to talk about those. Because then they would have to acknowledge who He was. Sometimes I wonder if they really knew. doesn't say, but I just have to wonder sometimes, did they really know and they just didn't want to admit it? So they just figured out a way to do and get rid of Him so they wouldn't have to deal with Him. And if the enemy had known who it was, they were crucified. They didn't ever crucify him. So they were only doing the will of God and they didn't even know it. Hallelujah. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you at once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved The people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed them that believed not. Is God the same yesterday, today, and forever? He's going to do the same thing now that He did then. All those that didn't want to believe. Remember that story in the Old Testament about all those people that got sucked down into the earth? When, the Lord, when, when Moses said, all that are with me stand over here, and all that aren't, go stand over there. And the earth opened up and just swallowed all those ones up that weren't over there. It was too late to change your mind. <laughs> oh wait, I want to jump across to that crowd over there. We better know that we know that we know that what we have is real. We better hang on to it for dear life. And not just hold on to it for ourselves, but we've got to tell some people. Because there's a place called hell that's created for the devil and his angels. And there's a whole lot of people. There's 52,000. They changed the sign. I noticed it the other day when I was coming into La Crosse. It used to say 50,000 when I was first moved here. Now it says 52,000. 52,000 people. That's not counting all the college students. They're going to a devil's hell if somebody doesn't tell them. That doesn't mean some of them haven't been told already to some extent. But that's not our excuse to not tell them. we got to tell them. Till Jesus comes. That's our job. Go. Right? Unto all the world. Preach the gospel. Make disciples. So that they can preach the gospel. Make disciples. So that that group can preach the gospel and make disciples. That's That's the process. That's the process. We're not making them our disciples. We're making them disciples of Jesus Christ. Let Him use them. God might use some people that you bring into the church to do unheard of things in the Holy Ghost that He'll never use you for. That's not your problem. That's God's business if He does that. I want to see Bob do mighty things in the Holy Ghost. I do. I love those stories of the new converts that come into a church and they bring like 40 people in a year to the church. And all, the, all these seasoned saints are sitting around going, what, what in the world? <laughs> Guess they have to start thinking, maybe feeling a little conviction and going, what's wrong with me? Like we've moved on past that stage, right? Do we ever move on past that stage of being a soul winner? Never. Just got to tell them. Tell them Jesus loves them. Ask them, hey, you know, you ever felt that empty feeling? When I used to feel, yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah. I got that emptiness filled. Oh, really you did? How's that? Well, let me tell you. Because we all had that empty feeling, didn't we? That emptiness that we were trying to fill with everything. All the stuff we were trying to get ourselves involved in. None of that stuff filled the void, did it? That's what they want to hear. You said it. There's hungry people. Linda said. There's hungry people. They're dying. They're going to hell. They just need somebody to tell them Jesus loves them. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's just uh, end this service by praying for ourselves, for one another, that God will help us, that God will give us boldness, His boldness, holy boldness and faith to just open our mouth and speak when he tells us to speak, regardless of what our mind tells us or the enemy tries to talk us out of it. Let's just do it. Let's be who Jesus called us to be. Let's pray for one another. Let's pray for our city as we go from this service tonight. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your mighty hand, your outstretched arm, Lord Jesus. You know all things, Father. You know the end from the beginning, Lord Jesus. You know our own hearts, O God. You know our inner thoughts, O God. You know our motives, Lord Jesus. You know everything about everything, Lord Jesus. Nothing is hidden from you. Lord Jesus, you know what is going on in this city. You know, as this pastor said, that great things are coming, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, that things are going to happen in this church, in this city, Lord Jesus. Eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. Neither has it entered into our hearts to this day the things that you have prepared. Lord Jesus, And that we're not going to be confounded by it, Lord. We're going to give you glory when it happens, O God. In the name of Jesus, a greater harvest than anybody can ever even take credit for, Lord Jesus. We want you to give all all the credit we want you to have all the glory lord for it in the name of jesus we would just want to be your servants we just want to be your children lord we just want to be oh god those disciple makers oh god that'll go forth and do what you called us to do hallelujah jesus we lift up one another lord and strengthen each one of us god we're family we got to love each other oh god we got to help each other we got to encourage one another Lord, I pray this word that has come forth today is encouraged and lifted up and edified those in this building, those in this room, and those online. Father, that you would have your will and have your way. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed, and we'll see you all on Sunday, 1030. One service and a pick.